We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. to another episode here of Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast. I'm the host, Alex Gold. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael J. Focci. Focci, the Indiana Pacers secure the first ever in-season tournament victory in NBA history. How we feeling? Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> right after that one, I'm telling you, I don't care what happened before the in-season tournament. I don't care what happens afterwards. Come see us in the in-season tournament because this is a Pacers team you don't want to be messing with. Alex, tonight had a moment. I mean, we'll get into it, but this game, here's what I want to say. Maybe it's how the game finished. This game felt different. This didn't feel like a game five of the regular season, and I'll give the NBA credit for that because that's what they wanted to achieve, and to me, they achieved it. The blue court with the yellow streak down the middle with the Indy font over the end season tournament trophy at center court. It was definitely a unique look. I will not lie. It made it feel different. Everybody was excited to see what this court looked like in person. And I talked to some of the photographers. It was hilarious. They had to come in early to adjust their cameras to the color. Rick Carlisle talked about how this you know, team had to go through walk through and just kind of get adjusted to it. It's a different look. It definitely felt like, man, this would be kind of hard to play on, but I tell you what, there were some moments there where guys were slipping all over the place, a little slippery. And we had to ask them about that in the post game press conference. And they were asking if there was any other slippage around the league. And at that point, all the game started after us. So we really hadn't seen much on social media, but it looked like there was some in that Thunder Golden State game. So 
you know, I don't know if it was the paint. I don't know what it was exactly, but it was a little bit slippery. You know, you just don't want to have anybody hurt by having the floor being a little bit different. But you're right. It did feel bigger. And I, I won't lie. Those black City Edition uniforms looked absolutely phenomenal on the Pacers, especially on the black court. I thought it looked really nice. I thought it did. I, I thought that the the finished product between the jerseys and the court definitely looked better than, you know, the pictures that had come out. Now, you could make an argument that it looked like, you know, the Pacers were almost playing above a body of water at times. You know, it, it was definitely something different. But it was also something that got a lot of people talking. You know, a lot of people were, were like, showing the picture of the Pacers court. Um, so I, I think that they created enough buzz around it. But... I don't know, Alex, maybe I've just been starved of a, a playoff game for the Pacers. But this, to me, when you're trying to simulate what a playoff atmosphere could feel like, to me, this felt like the closest thing to it in the last few years. I mean, for us specifically, yes. Yeah. But, you know, it was a great game. I think the Cavaliers, after after losing to us in Cleveland last Saturday, they were ready to come out and, and get a revenge victory. When oh, we yeah. played Cleveland in Cleveland, they had no Jared Down, They had no Darius Garland. They had no Donovan Mitchell. Well, all three of them were back. The Cavs were fully loaded. And the Pacers had just got their butts kicked by 51 points against the Celtics. So, you know, you had a clash of the Titans here. You had a team that was ready to, to get some payback on the Pacers. And you had a team that was mad about the way they performed in Boston. So two teams are ready to make a statement here and make history, you know, at the end of the day, it's just one of 82 right now. It's all it really matters towards unless they somehow get to the in-season tournament championship game in Vegas. But I'm sure these guys would rather spend a week in Vegas than being on the road or being at home for, for another regular season game. So it would definitely add a little bit of spice for those teams early on. But I just think, man, Miles Turner really got things going here to start the game. Seven of the first 10 points, I asked him about that. In the post-game press conference, I said, Miles, you know, I was a little nervous asking the question because I wasn't sure how to phrase it correctly, but it just feels like when Miles see the ball, when he sees the ball go in early, there is a different confidence in the way that he plays throughout the entirety of the game. And there was a swagger to Miles in this game that was phenomenal to watch. And it felt like every time he was touching the basketball and he was shooting it, the ball was going in really was. First of all, to go back to your point before, if it's just 82 games, Alex, there's talks of playing 83, all right, the way this in-season tournament's going. But <laughs> as it relates to Turner, I mean, 22 points at halftime, Miles was just, he was aggressive. And to your point, yeah, when he gets out, when he gets it started early, I mean, it just feels that he's in for a really good game. Turner did not disappoint. He's been rebounding really well this season. And I, I just felt that he was due for a scoring outburst. The 27 points, phenomenal stuff. Um, I, I think that, you know, you talked about it. This was the Pacers team. How do you respond coming off of a you know, pretty much you know, near historic loss? Pacers were up 17 at half. It looked, it looked good, but I don't know. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. I'm sure you felt it too. Is this lead safe? I don't think so. And it was not. And I felt that this was a really good test against a playoff team, a team that you know will be in the playoffs yeah. in Cleveland. And I felt that Cleveland came roaring back, and they were, they was like you mentioned, a much healthier Cleveland team with no excuses. And then it became, well, how do the Pacers respond when things get tough? And I felt that that is exactly what they did. 
We saw the Pacers, a team that lives and dies by the three, ends up going 14 of 31 from three-point range. They shot overall, you know, 45 of 86. I felt that this was a team that, um, you know, they took a punch or two to, to the mouth and kept going. And it came down to crunch time. I don't know if you're ready for that. I've been trying to hold back. But, Alex, I mean, what was it like for you? You're in the building. Oh, for the way it's played out. Just tell me about it. Well, first of all, I want to just say the fans were absolutely incredible for this game. There was a different energy from the fan base that I haven't felt in that field house in a while. Now, being there, it was yeah, real. I mean, it, it was kind of like I, I can't cheer because I'm a part of the media for this game. So I'm just kind of sitting there trying to, you know, take it all in. But I could feel the energy coming through me as a fan, like wanting to scream on some of these made baskets. You know, I got goosebumps a little bit. But when it was 115 to 111, the Pacers were down by four points. They ended up going on a 12-1 run. And it just felt like, wow, what a moment there. So it was really cool. Maybe, no, excuse me, 105 to 101, not 115 to 111. 105 to 101, Pacers go on a 12 to 1 run there. And it was just like, Buddy Hill made a three. Tyrese Halliburton makes a big shot. Miles Turner made a big shot. Aaron Neesmith played really good basketball in this game. It was just like everybody was contributing that was in the game. And so, we saw a first half dominating performance by the Pacers up by 17 points, but then Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs came back in the third, like you said, outscoring Indiana by 16, cutting the lead to just one. And, you know, Aaron Neesmith had a big bucket there at the end of the third. I think he had a three to kind of keep the Pacers just ahead of the Cavaliers as they went into that fourth quarter. But Tyrese Halliburton, once again, takes over despite having a pretty mediocre game, just 0 of 5 from three in this game, Fachi only five of 14 from the field. It sucks that that one shot he hit, that was a step back over Jared Allen to really kind of give the Pacers that two point cushion when it was 115 to 114 to extend that lead to 117, 114 was not a three because that would have made it a two possession game, but it was such a clutch shot and the Pacers really needed that. And then I'll let you finish this one out because the very next play, Miles Turner, incredible defensive performance. Oh, my God. I mean, Evan Mobley going down. He's going for a dunk. Cox back, and Turner meets him at the rim and blocks it. It was – it was it, to me, it felt reminiscent of Roy Hibbert blocking Carmelo Anthony. Okay. I, look, I know it's that was a playoff scenario to send the Pacers the next round. I get it. These blue courts about, are getting to you. I Look, but just think about it. It felt like a playoff game to me. It did. And, I, and in that atmosphere, that block was just phenomenal. Turner, just you could just tell it was like, that is what I do. And Turner actually had two blocks in like a 30-second span yeah. when it mattered most. And those blocks to go with the 27 points that Turner delivered was just awesome to see. That's when you say... Whenever Miles is saying something like, I think I'm the best shot blocker on the world, it's times like those that you have to step up in. And he did to see Halliburton do it on one side of the ball, turn to do it on the other in back-to-back possessions to close out this game. I mean, it was nothing short of electric. I tell you what, that play was very interesting because Evan Mobley had the ball and he was looking to run a dribble handoff with Darius Garland, but as that play, Nemhard was guarding Garland so tight that when he kind of ran into Mobley, 
Turner was like, oh, shoot, I got to switch this because Garland's going to be open. Nimhard got hung up on that Mobley on that Mobley screen. Well, Mobley then realized, oh, there's an opening to the basket now because Nimhard's kind of, you know, not with him on the play. And Turner has already switched over to Garland. So now there's this opening. But it was like literally nanoseconds. Turner realizes, crap, I've got to leave Garland to protect the rim. And he goes all out. That block was phenomenal. I mean, it was just a great reaction for Miles. It was a great, like, just a high IQ play, something that a lot of guys wouldn't be able to make. But Miles has done such a good job of protecting the rim for years. He knows when he has to leave somebody and go protect the rim, and that's just what he does best. So that was a great play. They're able to kind of maintain. You know, finally, Donovan Mitchell missed a shot. It was great to see him finally miss one because at that point in the game, felt like he was hitting everything. And the Pacers finally got their breaks that they needed. But I tell you, the fans love Buddy Heald, man. Buddy Heald was just on fire in this game. 4-7 from three. Had some clutch moments in the fourth quarter. Really worked defensively. I thought he played pretty well defensively. Yeah. And when he ended up slipping on the court over, you know, crossing the Pacers bench, it wasn't like he'd even done anything that play. just accidentally slipped. All of a sudden, you hear the fans in, in the arena going, buddy, buddy, buddy. And I'm like, this is great. I mean, you get you put a guy on the court that can shoot the basketball as good as Buddy Hill is, Buddy Hill does. Pacer fans are going to love him. If he can't play in a defense, it doesn't matter because Buddy Hill is just a lights-out shooter and one of the best shooters in the entire game today. So I thought that was really special and really cool to see the fans give him that love. But your thoughts on Bruce Brown and Buddy Hill, you know, 30 minutes for Buddy, 37 for Bruce Brown. Were you surprised at all by how many minutes he played? No, I feel like, you know, in regards to Buddy playing 30 minutes, I feel like Rick will roll with, you know, who's hot at that moment at times. Yeah. I feel like Buddy was hitting big shots. Buddy finishes a plus 16. Yeah, the he best was awesome. Any Indiana Pacer. I just felt like to touch on Buddy is like the way he was shooting, I just thought, looked at myself and I was like, man, I know he's going to be a free agent after this year, but like, he fits this team so well in what they need and the style that they like to play that it's just like, man, he's a really good fit. What ends up happening after the year, I don't know. But for right now, it's like, don't just be in a rush to make a move to make a move. It's like, Buddy is a vital part of this team. And then for Bruce Brown, like you mentioned, it, it's, it feels like an every other game type of thing. I mean, when Bruce Brown has it going, the Pacers are a much more dangerous team. Yeah. When he doesn't, yeah, things, things are tough. I mean, 24 points against Washington, great. Against Cleveland, just six points. All right. And then 15 against Chicago, three against Boston, and then 19 against the Cavs. It's like he's alternating pretty drastically offensive performances on a on a game-to-game basis. But if, we, if he can meet somewhere in the middle – the Pacers are going to have a, a lot of potential scores to worry about. And we didn't need to bring Bruce Brown in to be a scorer, but it makes the Pacers that much more of a dangerous team when he is having games, like dropping 19 points on three of six shooting from three. So he was a plus nine in, in the game and had seven rebounds himself. So I think that both players were awesome in this game. And uh, in a night where you needed someone to really step up outside of a Tyrese Halliburton, who, like we said, still gave you 18 there was plenty of guys that did step up in this performance. Overall, the Pacers had six players scoring double figures. Yeah, that's a great point. And I thought Bruce Brown really had a good game. And I think you needed him out there defensively to kind of contain Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is an all-NBA player, yeah. so Bruce Brown can only do so much. And I saw some where he was trying to fight through screens and like 
the help wasn't there, so Donovan Mitchell was just able to get a clean look. Maybe the big didn't step up or or they didn't switch and communicate. So just little things like that, but that's going to happen over <laughs> the period of a game. Like you're just going to have miscommunications and, and trying to interact with one another. It's just tough, especially when you got a good score like that. But I just felt like Cleveland, they just had so many good scores in this game. Karis LeVert had some really nice moments. I thought I, I was really impressed with Donovan Mitchell, obviously Darius Garland, someone you always have to respect, even though it was his first game back from an injury. And then Jared Allen, like he got going early in the first quarter he did get three fouls by the first quarter. I thought that he was a little bit rusty defensively, but offensively he was able to kind of give them a different element than they had the previous game when Indiana played them without him. So, you know, just a different look for the Pacers going up against this Cavs team. But we've been talking about him all season long and the impact that he's had as a backup center. Jalen Smith really came in, provided once again a nice spark off the bench. And the most incredible play that he had was a chase down block on Isaac Okoro that got fans out of their seat. What were your thoughts on Jalen Smith's big block and just overall performance? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Man, the block was was awesome. I mean, that really did get me hyped. But overall, Jalen has just been consistent. And when not just like consistent, all right, he's been consistently good. I think he he's rebounding well. He's blocking shots. You know, when I mean, he's got a couple blocks here and there. But the three-point ball, it's it's real. It's real. Mm-hmm. Like we even said coming in this year, you and I tried to be, I don't know, like reasonable, I guess. Like uh, could, could Jalen Smith shoot 33, 34% from three? It's like he has been effective from three. I think the only game that that he was kind of really off was against Chicago. It was 0 of 2. Other than that, he's been real good. And I think that, obviously, you know, he missed he missed the game against Boston. And, look, we're not going to say that, that he was a big difference in, in what the loss would have been. But at the same point, the Pacers are flat out a better team when Jalen Smith is out there for the Pacers. Um, Alex, I actually had a weird thought to myself. What if once again, Jalen Smith plays himself potentially out of the Pacers, uh, not out of the price range, but he's got that player option really for not that much money. What if Jalen Smith ends up playing so well that he could opt out? I mean, this is a conversation you have in early November. There's a long season to go. I just don't think that's a question that anyone thought would have even been asked maybe a month ago of, Maybe Jalen plays too good to the point where he opts out and cashes in again. 
it's a good problem for the Pacers to have. That's what I would say. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a good problem. I wouldn't worry too much about that right now. I think Jalen Smith likes where he's at with Indiana, and I don't really know if there's another place where he could be the backup center right away. So he's earned his minutes here with the Pacers. I don't think he wants to get too greedy with things. I can see him opting into a player option um, just because he likes his fit here. He likes his role here. It's decent money. And then maybe after next year, financially get rewarded. But I, I mean, if he plays like this all season long, the Pacers probably would be dumb not to say, hey, we'll, we'll work on a new contract with you yeah. because they really like the way he's playing. But then again, they got to figure out what they're doing with Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson too because right now he's not in the rotation. They got him on uh, another year after this season on his rookie deal. What what are the plans with him? Do they think he can make a jump? If not, then I think you got to make sure you get Jalen secured because if you think he fits the style of play you want to play and Rick Carlisle is advocating for him to be here long-term, you just figure it out financially. But obviously there's a point where you have to say, okay, you're, you're not – worth $11 million a year like an Aaron Neesmith. You're probably in like the seven, six to $7 million a year range, maybe eight at yeah. tops. Maybe a, a Jock Landau kind of contract where it was like, you know, $8 million for four years for $32 million. Something like that could make some sense for a backup center. No, it could. And, and I think the big thing is just Jalen being able to, you know, cash in and get some more security off of having a good year because this is a really good balance back year so far now a couple months from now could we even say man what uh, give me jalen smith back from october yeah that, that that could end up happening i hope he, he keeps this play up because it has been awesome I, I just don't think there's one pacer fan that can't strongly be rooting for jalen smith right now off of what we saw last year of just like the way that he put in that work over the offseason to get better it, it is so evident right now that it's so hard not to root for so hey i hope you can keep this up and i, I would love the pacers are able to come to some sort of extension or anything of the sort because this is the jalen smith that we hoped for last season so mm. awesome you know hats off to him and, and I, I just think that this was a collective effort by the pacers to not just beat the Cavs, beat a Cavs team that had no excuses they had all of their all-stars they were the team that was, you know, the, the the fourth seed last year in the Eastern Conference, a team that will be there in the playoffs. I thought this was a great test for the Pacers, and this was another game where the Pacers showed up on the glass. They out-rebounded Cleveland. They basically had, you know, it was just under 30 assists at, at 28, so that was great. The one thing that I thought was interesting was, Alex, they won a game where they had 18 turnovers, which was actually the most that they've had on the season. So that's something we were able to look past on this game, but it's not going to be something that you want to try and duplicate again because 18 turnovers in the NBA, usually a recipe for a loss. No, you're right about that. You got to make sure that they keep the turnovers down because the first two games we were kind of spoiled with how well the Pacers took care of the basketball. And I think, you know, water finds its level eventually. But I want to throw something out of you here, Fachi, because I thought it was an interesting lineup. We saw for the first time Ben Matherin Play with the four bench guys, Buddy Hield, Andrew Nimhard, Aaron Eastman, Jalen Smith. In that second quarter, maybe into the first, I think it was mostly just, it was in the first half. They played 6.6 minutes together. I thought the numbers were pretty good. They were a positive uh, five points in this, in this stretch. And I think this is a lineup that we could see 
potentially moving forward with the second unit. I know that we didn't see it against Charlotte, but it was one of those things where it's like, okay, this is a group that I think could really benefit from playing with each other because they all played together last year and Ben Mather and playing with the bench allows him to kind of be more of the focal point offensively. So I really like the numbers there in a small sample size. Would like to see Rick maybe do that a little bit more because one of the things that I was a little bit concerned about was the numbers for Matherin in this game. Just two of seven, didn't really get into an offensive rhythm, watched this game from the sideline during the clutch moments, and he had five assists, but you got to go look at some of the plays that he made where he had a clear drive to the basket, and instead of just taking the drive, he ends up looking for Turner, who was behind the play. Like, instead of just making the right play that he normally would have played to score the basketball, he's constantly looking for his teammates, which... Never a bad thing to be unselfish, but they're taken away, not there, but there's times where he's overthinking the game and not just taking the easy basket like he normally would. So I think that this allows him to play a little more freer and a different role, be more of the focal point, where Tyrese can kind of be more of the focal point with the starting lineup, and maybe Miles gets more involved there too, and even Obi, and you let you know Ben kind of just serve as a guy that's part of that rotation, but mostly gets going with the second unit as Nimhard and Buddy and Aaron can kind of let him do most of the creating and they can benefit from that. I like it. I, I really do because I, I think that we need to be able to let Matherin spread his wings a bit. And if he is overthinking things and getting in his head, he's not going to be, you know, utilizing his, his skill set to the max. And that yeah. is scoring. It's being aggressive. And, when he's not aggressive, obviously, you know, he's not getting to the free throw line. That's what the Pacers need. But in this game, I, I felt like, you know, you see five points, a minus four uh, on the court, worst of any of the starters. You're like, man, I, I don't know. We got to figure out something because he's too good to go two of seven from the field. So I would like to see his minutes staggered a little bit more with, with some of the, the other reserves. So he could be able to get some extra shots up because, I mean, Seven shots. It's uh, that was the third fewest of of any player in the game. Obi Toppin had six, and Andrew Nemhard had five. I don't think that Obi and Nemhard are guys that you're expecting to really take, you know, ten plus shots or anything. But I feel like Matherin is a guy that you should be able to pencil in for. I would say ten shots, and in this scenario, he only got seven. Yeah, and it's been that way a few different times this season already. And I know Tyrese said in the in the preseason that he's got to find ways to get Ben the ball more. So if this continues to be a trend, I'm going to ask Tyrese and Rick about it unless somebody else does before me, which I'm, I'm sure they will, just because it's a very important question. I think Ben Matherin's development and growth for this team is huge in terms of them taking that next step. And we both talked about that on here at Nauseam, so I don't want to overkill that. But you feel bad for the guy a little bit just because you want him to be the player that he was last year and, you know, it's tough. I think that this was a game where you feel like, man, it was a fun game, but I, I wish I would have paid more attention to the bench to see how Matherin was responding, not being a part of this. You know, Obi Toppin was loving it. He was getting into it, and you love to see that from Obi. Obviously, TJ McConnell, true pro, he was getting into it as well. I just, I, I'm not going to say Matherin wasn't getting into it. I just didn't notice it. So I would love to see how he's kind of processing all of this just because it's such a a unique situation for him. He's not used to not being one of the better players, and he's not used to being out there 
not being out there during closing time because even last year there was a lot of games where he did close. So we'll we'll see how this all unfolds. But I just thought that was a tough moment for him. But overall, you care more about the win than who's getting the minutes. And the Pacers got a much-needed win. And I think so far throughout the season, you can say Buddy Heald has been a better fit with that close, you know, with that five that's been closing than than Ben Matherin has been. No, that, that is a great point. Has and I know that yes, Ben has the brighter future in Indiana, far more younger. He's under contract for a few more years. But Rick's not going to be someone who's just going to say, "Hey, you know, well, well we got to run with the young guys." He's going to run with who has that hot hand and. Buddy, I think, has been a, a seamless fit for the rest of the group, especially that three-point shooting. It, it comes in you know, really big help. And honestly, between Matherin and Buddy Heald, I don't think there's really that much of a difference defensively uh, at this point. I think Matherin will grow into a better defender as time goes on. But from a three-point shooting perspective, there is a big difference. And Buddy Heald is someone that you can count on from three. So I think Matherin will continue to grow. Long season of play. But there has been some things that have been bright specifically his playmaking abilities, but we don't want him to feel that he's playing like a game of chess each time he's playing yeah. a game of basketball. We want to, to do what's natural for him. So long, long, long time to go, and I do think there will be plenty of performances where we're saying, wow, Matherin was was special tonight. And I look forward to, to covering those performances. For sure. I, I will say this. I want to give a shout-out to our faithful listener, Rooster. He said he lost his voice after this game. He was so excited when cheering. So – I love it. I love the energy we saw from our fan base in this game. I will say it was just incredible. The players talked about it. I know Miles talked about it post game. Just said it was crazy. You know, Indiana just brought it, and and that's what's awesome about the Fieldhouse is like when you give them good basketball to cheer for, they're gonna be there and they're gonna give it all they got. And that's why I cannot wait to see this team hopefully make the playoffs this year. I know the defense has a long way to go, but we can't emphasize it enough. It's still so early in the season. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. So this was a fantastic win. First in-season tournament victory. Great victory for the Pacers just to kind of get back over 500, be three and two, feel good about the direction they're heading in. Tyrese, you know, hopefully he can get his shot falling once again. But, you know, it was one of those games where you feel really good about what the Pacers were able to do. They were able to close out a close game and and take care of business. And there's going to be games when they aren't able to close close games out, but there's going to be games when they do. And that's what's fun about a regular season. It's the up and down roller coaster ride of the good and the bad, but don't overreact to one side too much either, because you know, water finds its level. Everything balances out. This is a good basketball team. Are they great? Probably not yet, but they're heading in the right direction. And that's something to be excited about. Heading in the right direction. Great way to sum it up. There's going to be a couple couple of bumps and bruises along the way. We, guys, we've got to be prepared for that. After each loss, it can't be, you know, so-and-so's got to go or we got to trade this guy. It's like, look, we're at a spot right now that that is on course. We're, 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 we got to play this out a bit. No one expected. The Pacers did not come into this season expecting to win 50 games. Yeah, It's like, you know, like we said, my Vegas had them at – 38 and a half the Pacers right now are trending like a 500 basketball team which could be a pretty solid step forward from last year let it unfold let these guys get some chemistry together before we make any crazy assumptions but I can tell you one thing the sky ain't falling down I'll take this 
type of basketball that we're playing right now because I know we can improve defensively. But offensively, we're, we're a special team that when we have it going on, it's very hard for teams to keep up with the Pacers. And I do think they were one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league. Just I don't want to be too reliant on it, but that just may be the, the style of play for the Indiana Pacers this year. But on a night like tonight, when we saw that Halliburton shot followed by that Miles block, man, it just made me think, man, I love this team and what they're building together because the bulk of this team is still so, so young that it can be sustainable. This is not a one- to two-year window. This has the potential for different steps each year, and this feels like a big year and a big step forward. Yeah, and one thing you got to look at, too, we've ha- we have improved since last year, and I think T.J. McConnell talked about it at Media Day. There's a target on our back because we aren't this up and coming team that no one's taking seriously. Like people are like, okay, the Pacers are on people's radar. Now they like to play this style. They've got this all-star that they've got these young players. They've got these new additions. They're going to be pretty good, but go back to last year, even though I know there were some injuries and the lineup's not the same. We were one and four after five games, three and two after five games with the victory over the Cavaliers. So, you know, that is improvement from last year. Whatever way you look at it, that is improvement. The roster's gotten better. Talent-wise, expectations have gotten higher, which means that we are headed in a right direction. Good things are going to happen. And we saw the Pacers' best basketball came last year in December. It's the beginning of November. So that month of December was phenomenal. And oh it's not God. it's not something you see normally with the Pacers where they have this home game stretch where they have five in a row at home this early into the season. So very different territory for them. They're just trying to adjust. There's 82 games in a regular season, but it's just a little bit unique having this many home games in a row this early into the year when usually that stretch came in December when you had a road trip at the beginning of November and then usually one in January. So I'll just say this. I'm happy with where we are. Great win. Great team effort. And, you know, Miles was fantastic in this game. Clearly the player of the game to me was Miles Turner. But you got to give love to Tyrese just because 18 and 13 on a bad shooting night. I wish I could be that bad. I I know. I mean, think about that. 18 and 13. And we're like, man, yeah, he struggled a little bit. It's just like, it just shows how fortunate we are that that's our franchise guy, but that we're not so reliant on just one player. So, man, I can't wait for this team to finally say, because there's no way that they consider, like, they, they like each other. They might say they got some chemistry. They are not, like, hitting their stride. That'll happen, you know, 25, 40 games into the season. So for right now, like you mentioned, we were 1-4 this time last year. I, I love the direction. I, I'm, I'm The seatbelt's on. I'm ready. I'm comfortable. I ain't going nowhere. Just keep this ride going. I want to ride it out. And if you want to ride it out with us, follow us on social media, Fachi. Tell the people where they can find us. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, you can go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our post-game recaps and our special interviews. 
Maybe we'll sprinkle some more episodes on there as the season goes along. But right now, we're just trying to keep up with the post-game recap episodes on there. But Pachi, if you're buckled up and ready for an exciting roller coaster ride against Indiana Pacers season, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.